Several of the show's writers have also appeared in front of the camera. Alan Hopgood, who played Jack Lassiter, Shane Porteous, Patrick Kratz, and Ian Smith, Harold Bishop. Joining me now, script producer Kate Bradley and story editor Shane Ishiv. Kate, let's start with you. How did you get to be a script producer on Neighbours? Script producing, I only started doing uh, last year. Basically, I've been working for soap operas in Australia for, for the last 10, 11 years going back and forth between Melbourne and Sydney and I've been, uh, I'd worked for Neighbours uh, for a fair few years, both in-house as a script editor or a story editor, but also as one of their freelance writers. And then last year, Jason emailed me and said, would you like to be script producer? And I jumped at the chance because it's massive. It's, it's um, definitely the biggest challenge of my career. And um, it's been one wild ride. So what does a script producer do? So on this show, the script producer oversees the entire department and oversees the scripts from plotting stage through to first draft, through to edit, through to director's release. And then we hand it over to production. So I'm there at every point giving my feedback, giving my opinions, which Shane uh, (laughs) indulges me. But also uh, before all that, we have our sort of planning weeks as well, our forward planning weeks where we all get together and bounce around ideas and make plans for the next few months. So yeah, I'm just sort of, I'm there all the time over a good 15 weeks, I think, of story. So are you Shane's boss? I am indeed. (laughs) Does that mean you have to be careful what you say, Shane? Very, very careful what I say. (laughs) No, Kate's, Kate's wonderful. We have a very good team and it's very collaborative. So... We're, we're, I think we're very lucky. I think Kate can attest to that. Yeah, it's a really good group altogether. Not only do we work well together, but we're, we're friends, yes. friends and neighbours. <laughs> one big happy family, it sounds like, from everybody here. Definitely. And I think part of that, it's kind of the environment that we find ourselves in. We don't just have to be professional. There is a part of it that really helps that we all get along. I think that's because of the sheer volume of content that we make every week. We're plotting and writing and editing six episodes a week at any given time. And it's just, there's no time to not get along, basically. So it's kind of the system filters out any sort of issues like that. Now, there are a number of different roles in this department, storyliner, script writer, script producer, script editor, story editor. Now, there are probably some people who may not know the difference between all of those roles and what they all do. I don't actually think I do. Okay, so there are a lot of roles within the in-house team. I think the best way to sort of break it down is to say there's a story side and a script side. So the story side, that's the side that Shane leads as story editor. Those guys deal with the plotting, with the story ideas themselves. They're the team that are with me and Jason and Nat uh, during forward planning. And they sort of create the overall structure of each episode of any strands that we're continuing on for weeks and weeks, making plans for, for example, at the moment on air, Finn's going a little crazy. He's going back to his evil self. And the story team and I, we would have worked on that several months ago, plotting out how that happens, when it happens, who it affects, all that sort of thing. And then there's the script side that deal with the actual writing of the script. So the exact dialogue that people say, the characters' voices, the choreography, Also, any sort of last minute production limitations that come up, you know, it's raining, so we have to move everybody indoors, that kind of thing. So of those two sides, there's Shane, who's our story editor, leading that side of the team. We have storyliners who work with him in the story room to plot out those beats, those episodes, and they and I release a scene breakdown out to our writers. So then that moves on to the story side, uh, sorry, the script side where we have our supervising script editor. At the moment is a woman called Emma Steele, who's a Neighbours veteran herself and very excellent. And below her, there's our script editors who get our first drafts from our amazing freelance team and just make sure that the continuity tracks, that all the voices are true to character, that kind of thing. And also that side work with production and any questions or queries that they have And yeah, that's the department in a nutshell. So how many writers would you have working on scripts at any one time? So we have six episodes a week. So we'll have six different writers on each of those. We currently have a freelance pool of about 22 writers. So quite a few. 
And I think that's due down to, again, the prolific nature of the show. We've just had so many people sort of come in in-house and work through the years. And so that list is quite big. So Shane, story editor, tell me a bit about your role. I think I have the funnest role in the department, to be honest, because poor Kate has to be across every single aspect of, you know, the script side of things. But I get to be creative every single day, which is something I love doing. And as Kate mentioned, my role is to primarily run the writer's room with the storyliners and um, come up with stories, basically. And, And Kate, myself and Jason will kind of work out the broad strokes of the show and where we want to take the characters and the storylines over the coming months. And then my job is then to go with the storyliners and kind of break that down, as Kate said, into episodes and then into scenes and into moments and sentiments and any kind of life stories we want to bring to it. Like, that's one of the other things I really love about the story room too is we all bring ourselves to the stories as well. Like, there's there's a lot of talking about things that have happened in our real lives or things we've heard from our friends and so forth. And kind of that's what I think makes Neighbours feel real even though we do some crazy stuff I think because we all bring a lot of heart and realism to what's happening in our everyday lives. The story room is sometimes a bit of a therapy session I would say (laughs) where we get to air out some of our own personal experiences and yeah as Shane said I think that brings a a genuine feel to a lot of the sort of heightened stories that we get to do. So yeah obviously real life is the best content isn't it? Where did the storyline about the 3D printed gun come from? Well I thought that was genius I have to say. Well we kind of we knew we wanted we were taking Yashvi into a new career path which was to become a policewoman. Kate and I had been kind of had that in the works for months and months and months. Eventually it felt the timing was right and obviously if you're going to have a character become a police officer you also need crime to happen and and certain things like that and we also had had done a story with Yashvi's boyfriend, Ned, who's known to be a bit of a bad boy at times. And he had been through a bit of a harrowing story where he was dealt with this stalker who, who nearly tried to kill him. And we kind of thought that led to an interesting, um, how does he deal with his grief and, and trauma from that and PTSD? And that kind of led into this Fight Club story. And from that, it's always a chain reaction. We try to have every story have a cause and effect and propel the show forward. So knowing that Yashi was becoming a cop, knowing that Ned had had this experience, it kind of all converged into this 3D gun printing story. And that kind of came about too, because that is something that I don't think I've seen yet on Australian dramas or serials. And we thought it was very topical and very current. So that's the biggest challenge of our roles is to kind of take stories that we've seen before and have a fresh spin on it or a fresh take and and I think that's definitely what we've what I've hoped we've achieved with the 3D gun printing stuff is that what I think it is nah no, that's a toy it looks pretty real to me I had one of those when I was a kid 100% a toy are there any characters that are easy to write for Oh, um, personally for me, the Cannings family, because I relate to them probably a bit too much. Um, I live and come from Frankston, which is where the Cannings originated from. And they're known to be, um, uh, what's the polite way of saying it? I'll just say they're Bogans. And that's very much... You're allowed to say that because you're from Frankston. Yeah, I'm from Frankston. (laughs) But where um, I relate to them strongly because like my gran was very much like Sheila Canning and and my cousin's very much like Kyle, and we've got a, we've got, I've got an Uncle Gary who's very always in dodgy places with the law and stuff like that. So, yeah, the canning's for me, and also the heritage characters too. Like, I've been a huge fan of the show growing up with it, so I find writing people like Kyle and Susan very easy. Yeah, definitely the heritage characters because they've been so well-developed, as you would be when you've been on a show for 25 years. We all know... Susan is Saint Susan and will help out with anybody whenever she can and with a very calm authority. We know Dr. Carl is a great doctor, but also a cheapskate. It's just, it's little things like that, that when you put characters in a situation, you know exactly how they're going to react and you get a lot of joy out of seeing what you would consider your family and your, your familiar friends and how they work through various situations. I was going to ask you if there were any characters you wish you'd written, but I guess that now because the heritage characters are still in it, you are getting the opportunity to do that anyway. What's kind of great about the 35th anniversary week and having all these returns is getting that opportunity to write these characters that were before our time. And that's that's been fun. That's yeah. been really fun. I think that's without a doubt one of the most creative highlights for me having worked here and 
not only that, but there's just been so many characters who I've adored over the years who I never thought I'd get the opportunity to kind of create story for. And I've had a really good run in my five years here. I've got to play with Dee. I've got to play with Izzy. All the Rebecca clan have come back over a period of time. So I, I feel very blessed to kind of be on this era because I get to play with fresh new characters as well as some of the old favourites. And Jane Harris is another one. Yeah, it's been extraordinary what Jason's been able to do, bringing all these old faces back, and it's been an absolute thrill. And I think what's also fun on the flip side of that is us getting to create new characters and being able to really flesh them out and and figure out right from the get-go, you know, what are their passions, what are their dreams, what are their flaws, what's important to them, and then being able to see what they really, I mean, they lead, the, the characters, once you develop them, they lead the story. That's the idea. You know, we're not puppeteers. We create these fully formed people and they kind of tell us what they do. All right, well, let's talk about the 35th anniversary then. I hear we are in for a wild ride over the next week or so. Where did the ideas come from? <laughs> well, there's a lot of ideas. Sorry, um, I'm from... laughing because we're still recovering. From... <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I will, I will preface this by saying, <laughs> so obviously the 35th anniversary week, we don't only just have the what's going on on the main show, but we have our special which is the separate story happening on the island. And we didn't, (laughs) us in the story team and and the script team didn't get any extra time to put this all together. So we were actually plotting and writing and editing five extra episodes while we were doing all this other stuff as well. Where did the ideas come from? So obviously we knew for several months leading up into this that the 35th week was coming. And there have been a lot of anniversary specials in the past that did all kinds of, you know, crazy stuff. And so we were thinking, what haven't we done? What's going to be different about this? And I'm trying to remember how the wet, because it was the weddings that came up first, yeah, I think. I, I, from memory, I think it was trying to find an interesting hook to it. And I think when Jason mentioned to us, he was thinking three deaths and five weddings. Then we kind of launched from there and went, how does that look like? And what does that entail? And, and I think my earliest memory of this is um, working out, okay, uh, if we were going to bring back some past characters, who would they be? What would that look like? How do they fit in with the wedding expo storyline? And I think it's what, what I love about it in particular too is Neighbours kind of is known for its iconic weddings. You know, obviously Scott and Charlene being the, the one that everyone talks about. So it was, I think it was such a fantastic idea to honour that. And then also a lot of people tune in for some of the crazier things we do. I always say Neighbours can get away with a lot more than a lot of other shows can. <laughs> and, and we're honouring that as well. Like, I, I truly believe if you're a new time fan or a long-term fan, like, whatever you tune in to get out of Neighbours, you're going to get in this week because it's something for everyone. And, and I think that was really, it was almost like we went into this with the intent to make this a love letter to the fans and to the show and to really kind of just tick off all those boxes that we know we know and love about Neighbours. So from that, I think it just the ideas started flowing. I know we, we had many brainstorming sessions, didn't we, Kate, about just trying to work out how the main show felt and then this special, these other special extra episodes, what that felt like and how they kind of dived into each other and influenced each other. And it's, it's going to be, without a doubt, the most epic week in, I think, Neighbours history. And that's not an understatement. I think I can safely say that yeah. without feeling like I'm embellishing that. And I'm really excited to see how it's received. Yeah, and as, as much as we're sort of still recovering, I think it was, <laughs> it was definitely worth it to plot all 10 of those episodes side by side mm. so that we could just even in little ways weave through what was going on in each episode. You know, you'll see little moments that cross over between the two shows and, yeah, just make it one complete picture. Thinking about it now, it's kind of crazy that one show can be all these different things, yeah. but I think it, they work really well together. So there's definitely something for everyone in the 35th week. Can you give us any hints? I could, but then I'd be killed and then you'd be killed. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't be three deaths, it'll be five deaths. That's and then, right. no. <laughs> um, tune in, that's all I can say. I think, I think actually, if you can, and I know it's hard with all the publicity that goes out, but if you can avoid spoilers, please do, because you'll be rewarded. There's lots of fun surprises. Obviously, it's common knowledge, some of the people that are coming back, And there's some really lovely 
iconic heritage kind of moments. And I think I can safely credit Shane with a lot of those, being our mega fan in the script department. <laughs> it's like, I really want to see this. And so I, yeah. Kate's been very nice. I was annoying everyone going, make sure we don't lose this and we need this Easter egg. So, yeah, so we have peppered, even not even just the week, in the lead up to the week, I think we made sure we peppered a lot of winks and nods and references to the show's history and Easter eggs and little things that really obscure things too that I know one or two fans will pick up on, but it won't be picked up by the masses. Even though we had the workload was intense, we did take a lot of TLC with this and we wanted it to be as perfect as possible. In regards to like the special episodes that are going to be airing after the main show, they're all centering, obviously, I think by now everyone will know they're centering around Finn and the fact that his evil ways have returned. That storyline was particularly controversial, I think, amongst the fandom because it was, to me, it was a classic soap story. I think we did a very good job of trying to create this environment where a lot of Neighbours fans will, will appreciate that. Yes, I can ignore that that's not quite logical or that might not be what people would do in normal life, but you're going to be rewarded. You know, this storyline with Finn in particular has been going on for over a year and I have a strong feeling that it'll go down as a very iconic storyline. This is going to be so huge that it's going to have long-lasting consequences for everyone on Ramsey Street, and I think you'll be seeing the effects for years to come. Amazing. <laughs> yes, no, we're, we're really proud. You know, yeah, and and, and it's, it's not just us who obviously were in the trenches and trying oh. to get these extra episodes done. Every department Absolutely. had to just... And that's what I loved the most, I think. At the end when you kind of... It was all done, we all just went... <sighs> it's over. And, but everyone was in the trenches together. Like it was a real team effort and you just, and everyone was so passionate about it too. The majority of the 35th week, they were the last things to be shot last year. And it was so cool for us who had sort of been going through making it work a few months prior to production <laughs> getting hold of it. Just saying, well, I mean, it's not great that everyone's running around like chickens with their heads cut off, but it was awesome actually going into, I think we can say going into Lassiter's and sort of seeing how it came out and, and what it looked like. I'm always so amazed at how hardworking the entire show is, every single department, how much everybody puts into it, you know, directors and, and costume and the actors, obviously, and, and uh, just the art department alone is <laughs> incredible. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just really amazing to see it all come to life. It is astonishing. I still have those surreal moments where you go, something that we've created in our heads, you know, and just then gets made a reality. Like, it's just, yeah, it's extraordinary that things get built and sets get made and all that. Just off an idea that just kind of pops into our heads. Yeah. It's, it's quite fun. <laughs> and do you think... The, the atmosphere is very much, I've been here for a couple of days now, the atmosphere is very much one of one big, very happy family. And do you think that a lot of that is also because the environment we're in now, we're actually talking in the hospital waiting area, perpetuates that because everything's happening in the same place? I think so. I think there was a time a long time ago when the script department was out in Richmond. We're currently in Nanawading, obviously. And I think there was a bit of separation then. I mean, personally, I'm thrilled that we are in the same studios as, as everybody because it, it really does open up that dialogue between us and production and the actors. You know, the actors can come around to our office anytime and talk about a scene or if they don't quite understand something or if something doesn't quite work, you know, we can all work together for it. And it's kind of what I was saying before in terms of just how quickly the turnaround is. I think there's a filtration system within Neighbours and just the way we work. You need to be hardworking, you need to have stamina, and you need to be humble in order to survive here. And I think that creates, you know, an environment where a lot of just really good people stick around and work together. So yeah, it is like one big happy family, I think. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's such a cliche, but it, it's true. <laughs> and you know, that's what Neighbours is all about too. It's kind of weird how it's that's what's on screen as well as what's off screen as well. Like we share so much time together as well. Like when things are happening mm. in our personal lives, we turn to each other, we help each other like it is. It's, oh, I'm going to sound like um, so cheesy, but it's, <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we do spend at least 10 hours a day together. <laughs> at, at least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> um, yeah, so you get to know people when you spend most of your life with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 
Shane, is there a particular storyline you want to try out or have you done them all? (laughs) No, definitely haven't done them all. I was only thinking about this the other day, how when I first started here, I had kind of a wish list of the stories I wanted to tell and see. And and surprisingly, the majority of them have kind of come to fruition. Um, There's still a few that I'd love to explore. I love a good game changer. And I think there's still aspects of the show's history that has been left untouched that has huge potential. So that's the plain area I like to think about when I'm coming up with something like this. I still think there's plenty to do with the Robinson family, which is, of course, one of our heritage families that are, kind of fuels the show, and, and also the Kennedys too. Like, there's plenty still, I think, to explore with Carl and Susan, and, you know, that's extraordinary to say that after 25 years, you never throw away an idea. Like, one particular idea that I know I kept pitching was a, the um, David Kidney drama that happened over Christmas and dealing with Robert Robinson. I kept pitching that for months and months and months, years even. And, you know, it's just the timing had to be there for something like that. So that's a good example of how long it might take to see your ideas on the screen. Yeah, having Harlow on the show, I think, really helped mm-hmm. with that because that tied in Rob Robinson even more. It's those kind of things where, you know, before Harlow was on the show, maybe it wouldn't have worked so well. There have been stories that we were going to go with and started plotting, but then things fell through. Oh, that's my favourite subject. (laughs) I often think about what would the fans think if they knew what we were about to do or what we nearly did or, you know, I just, it's some of that's even crazier, dare I say, than what we ended up with. And they're the real stories that I just wish I could... Tell everyone, and you don't, wouldn't believe how that story originally looked and all that. <laughs> and that's not to rob from what does go to air because that's all still brilliant and, and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I just love, I would love to be able to share some of that. But I'm not going to because I'm a professional. So. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and also, too, like, they, they fall through for a million different reasons. And sometimes it is, you know, it, it won't work now because of something else. But we keep it in the bank and mm. we can use it with other characters who might be in a better position to service that story. Just now you're talking about what the network wants. Do they have a lot of input into how the storylines go? Um, I'd say there's definitely a consultation with our two networks. So we have a really good relationship with both our Australian network and our UK network. So Channel 10 and, and Channel 5 respectively. And they really have their finger on the pulse of what their demographics are after. Uh, and in fact, the team at Channel 5 were the start of us thinking about Endgame. When the team at Channel 5 came to visit us, they were the ones that suggested what if there was an extra couple of episodes, maybe an extra five episodes um, <laughs> that would just take that opportunity to go a little edgier. And we were like, yeah, that sounds great. We can do a special. It's like, no, 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 five episodes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sure, why not? Although, and and in retrospect, again, it was hard, but it was, you know, a movie length Mm -hmm. amount of time and you can do a lot in that time. So, yeah, it's good to have that collaborative relationship with the networks. Well, you're obviously both big fans. What are your favourite storylines? Ooh, that's a really, really tough one for me. Being a huge fan since I can remember. In terms of what I've worked on, I'm very proud of the Georgie Stone storyline we did, which is she plays Mackenzie. That felt really rewarding to do and to be part of. Are you worried what will happen if he does find your dad, like how he'll be when he learns about all your changes and stuff? Well, I'm hoping he'll see they're not actually changes. Yeah, right. Like, this is who I've been all along and all I'm doing now is being true to that. Yeah, sure. Oh, it's hard enough getting your parents to accept who you are when you're an average teenager, let alone being trans, and then... I think Kate can attest to this, that I tend to lean towards some of the more heightened, crazier stuff. I love my evil twins and stalkers going around, but I also I love Neighbours as well, so I also tune in for the, the comical storylines and the more light-hearted domestic character stuff. So there's definitely a balance, but all the storylines I can think of <laughs> that I really enjoyed are the, are the crazy stuff. Having said that, I think my favourite week that I've watched, even though I was a part of it and I'm a bit biased, is the 35th anniversary week. Yeah, some really beautiful, heartwarming nostalgia and fun. And yeah, it's, it's, it was lovely to take that trip down memory lane. So that's definitely, definitely the highlight for me, storyline-wise. I'm going to sound like I'm repeating Shane. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that stuff and, and the Mackenzie story. I think 
what was great about that was working with Georgie and, and getting the opportunity to work on another story where we're working with people who have gone through the exact same situation and, and getting a lot of truthful experiences from them and being able to dramatise that with our characters. I really enjoy doing that because mm. I think those stories really resonate. I can't go past the Bianca story that was on air <laughs> recently. Um, not only because what ended up happening, but also just how that came about. I mean, that was a sea strand, fun, lighthearted, one episode sea strand that we were going for. And it ended up going over a few weeks and it worked out so much better than I anticipated. I thought this is going to look so crazy and silly. And it was just so much fun. I think, yeah, seeing the evolution of stories like that and seeing them come to life and everybody just having fun with it. Hang on. Sorry, does Kyle have a doll? Yep, a life-sized one. He calls it Bianca. And he was only wearing a towel. Hey, Husey here. You can't get enough of Husey. We have a problem. Channel 10's hit show. Well, now there's more to get. We've got a podcast. Find it at your favourite podcast app. Do you have any favourite comedy moments? Again, Bianca. Uh, but everything Gary does. Gary being the womanizer just gave us so much. <laughs> That's always been great. Oh, of course, the, the ex-wives coming oh, back. Oh, yes. That was brilliant. I mean, again, that's sort of mining the heritage of the show. Anything to do with Carl in Lycra on a bike with his helmet, I think is hilarious. <laughs> Toadie, when he's in that comedy space, is always a joy mm. to watch. Yeah, I um, the first thing that comes to mind is the Durian story and <laughs> Carl, <laughs> Carl telling the um, airport authorities that Susan had had an accident in order to cover the smell of the durian. I think that's stuff like that is just, and that's the beauty of like Carl and Susan is you can have them in that space one minute and then they're in this crazy heightened space the next. And, and I think it's mainly to do also with the fact that Fletch and Jackie are tremendous yep. talent. But you know, yeah, it's, it's not particularly one. It's, the, it's a series of moments. It's like, I was watching the other day and it was a simple scene it wasn't even the point of the scene of Carl trying to change a light globe on a lamp and I was cackling myself laughing at it and I'm going and you know and I was still laughing even though and I missed the rest of the scene because I was laughing so much but it was just they, those are the character moments I think that we pepper throughout that I really find hilarious. I remember that the scene continued Carl's still fiddling with the lamp someone goes and does something else and at the end of the scene Susan walks past him and says it's a screw top knot bayonet. <laughs> It's <laughs> the type of stuff I love, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's just made me think of, like, fun pairings on the show that gives mm -hmm. us a lot of comedy, and, and what comes to mind is uh, Harlow and Roxy, sort of that fun, sisterly opposites yes. that is just, yeah, very fertile ground for comedy and fun and lightness and warmth. Yep. Even that's some right. enemies, too. Like, I, 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 there's been some hilarious moments between Ned and Mark um, as well, and <laughs> yes. they're, like, kind of enemies on the show or people who just dislike each other. I personally think Harlow and Roxy are kind of like our new Harold and Lou. I love them so much. They're like my favourite super couple at the moment, yeah. even though it's not a romantic couple. So who is your favourite romantic couple? Oh, these tough questions. Um, I can't go past Carl and Susan. Yeah, Carl and Susan. Yeah. They've had a classic soap relationship where they've broken up, gotten back together, divorced, married several times. I'm just so invested in them and I always want them to succeed. I love Paul Therese. Mm-hmm. I think they're a great couple because they're equals. And also, obviously, with Paul's many, many ex-wives, it's kind of, it's nice to see these two are working, but we can still get a lot of story out of it, which mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. And I also, I really enjoy Aaron and David. And I think that's because they remind me of my relationship. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely the David to, to my boyfriend's Aaron. Aaron and David are a close second for me. I, I inject a lot of my own relationship in theirs as well. And yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that's happened to them in terms of just little couple moments are ripped right out of my life. So. <laughs> What's been your favourite cliffhanger? When I think of 
big cliffhangers. It's always when we used to do season finales, when we used to break over Christmas, I used to always spend the whole year looking forward to a neighbour's Christmas cliffhanger because you always knew you were going to get something juicy. If we're talking past cliffhangers, always etched in my mind is the 1997 season finale where it was brilliantly intercut with we had a car accident, we had Carl and Sarah, their very first kiss starting their affair. Billy was caught cheating on Anne. Like it was just, it was, that I think was pinnacle neighbours for me. And then of course, the when we burnt down Lassiter's, it was the Paul Robinson return after 12 years away. It was um, pretty epic too. Again, I like the big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to ask you, who has your favourite celeb cameo been? Gosh, I didn't think you'd have to think about that. I thought it'd be... <laughs> There's been quite a few cameos over the years. And they've all been brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, the first time that we had a cameo experience together was with Hanson. Oh, of course, yes. yes. <laughs> we, we ran down like like little fans. It was, <laughs> it was an interesting situation where Hanson were in town for only a certain amount of time and we knew that we were having the Lassiter's Music Festival. So, of course, Hanson would come to a suburban music festival. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, so we were sort of told two weeks earlier that we'd have this cameo and we're like, right, okay. So created the scene and, and created the emotional situation of, you know, that's when Amy and Kyle finally got together after this triangle with Gary. There was a lot of explaining to the actors what had happened because they were <laughs> 10 weeks behind on their continuity and, and all this sort of stuff. And then, yeah, suddenly Hanson were in Studio A and, yes. and off we went. And we ran down, didn't want to miss the opportunity to get a photo. Yeah. It was such a thrill. I was just something clear to me what my favourite, I think, celebrity cameo. I don't know if you call it a celebrity cameo, but it's when we did the tribute to the 40th anniversary of Prisoner Cell Block H. Oh, of course. Those who know me well know that... Prisoner is possibly my most favourite show of all time. And so working in this building in Nunawadding in particular is, is an absolute thrill. Hallowed ground. But um, when Jason kind of said, Shane, we might be doing a little tribute to the 40th anniversary of Prisoner, I was just like, I'm your guy, let me do it all. <laughs> let me come up with all the funny in-jokes and please, please, please. And, um, and he let me run with it. Oh, he's got me these beautiful roses, look. Oh, he reminds me oh. of my cousin. Fletch the Lech, we used to call him. <laughs> he could use my steam press anytime. <laughs> Flowers. You're so lucky. My husband used to give me roses. I wish he could again. And just a little trivia note for everyone out there listening. Kate Bradley's father actually used to produce Prisoner. He was um, Ian Bradley, who Prisoner fans would definitely know and um, appreciate. He kind of made the show what it was and ended up being and and your mum appeared in the show as well oh she? yeah yeah as a as a bookie as a bookie yeah <laughs> these, these are the parents i had <laughs> um on that note you know working here where obviously dad used to work mum and dad used to work yeah it's just you know following in their footsteps why not yeah well, it's absolute still for me so <laughs> Oh, obviously before our time, I remember one cameo that was quite fun was um, the Little Britain cameo. Mm. Yeah, very subtle. Loved that. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> mm. um, Catherine Kelly Lang was another thrill for me just to meet her. Again, it's not so much what we saw on screen. It's what I was able to do behind the scenes and go get <laughs> photos and talk to them. And <laughs> Writing isn't the only behind the scenes gig to attract former cast members. Some have also turned their hand to directing, including Kate Kendall, who played Lauren Turner, Jonathan Dutton, who was Tad Reeves, and Scott Major, who played Lucas Fitzgerald. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here and talk about Endgame. Well, you've been connected with Neighbours for a while, probably best known for playing Lucas Fitzgerald for five years, was it? Yeah, I think it was about five years. Um, I've, been in, I've been in this building or in this, this world for... About 12. But I did play another character way back when in 93 on this show as well. His name was Darren Stark. Another actor came back and played that character. Uh, Todd McDonald came back and played Darren Stark for a long time. But yes, I was the original Darren Stark and I went to jail and I came back out looking like a very different person. <laughs> there may be some people who don't know that for the last little while you've actually been working as a director on the show as well. So what happened there? How did that transition come about? While I, was, while I was acting on the show, look, I've always, I've always been fascinated by directing and I, do, I was doing plays while I was acting on the show and directing those and I was doing short films and I was doing music videos and cutting them myself, shooting them myself. 
And there was one of the directors here, Tony Osaka, took me under his wing. And um, I think it kind of started more like, all right, you think you can do this? Why don't you direct this scene? So while I was still acting on the show, he'd get me to direct a scene here or there. And, and then uh, one of the producers back then, Sue Wilde, she said, hey, how about you, once, when you leave the show, how about you come back as a director and we'll train you up? And I went, absolutely, that sounds fantastic. And then, yeah, six months down the track, I got my first full block by myself and I've been here ever since. And I've got to do some amazing stuff, Endgame being one of them. So how was that when you directed your first scene by yourself? Was that a bit scary? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, how did I put it? When I was going off to do my first block by myself with no mentor, director, no anything, I thought, wow, they've given me the keys to the Ferrari, but they haven't really even asked if I can drive yet. Yeah, it's such a, an iconic show. Sitting quietly in my room at home, I would think, I can't believe that I'm in charge of a whole week of Neighbours, this show that's been going for so long. It, look, it's a real honour and a privilege, really. It is a bit of a different beast, though, isn't it? Because the relationship between actor and actor and director and actor is completely different. Was that an easy transition? It wasn't easy, no. Actor to actor... It, this is the thing, see, as an actor, which I've discovered more and more, as an actor, you're responsible for your character and that's what you're responsible for and you fight for it and you go, I wouldn't say this or why am I doing this? And so you've got, you're very, um, I guess, blinkered as to that. As the director, you're telling everyone's story. You're trying to um, give the audience an experience by, you know, manipulating all the actors and the lights and the cameras and everything to tell the story that you want to tell. And to be honest, I thought the actors wouldn't listen to me. They'd be like, oh, shut up, Scott. You were in the green room five seconds ago and now you're trying to tell us what to do. But they were wonderful and they um, embraced that. Yeah, but that's the thing about directing is so macro and you, you're, you kind of have a say in the whole thing, which is really exciting and also really scary because once you get to that screening room, if they don't like it, it's no one else's fault but mine. If the acting isn't any good, I didn't direct them properly. If, you know, if I didn't get it shot, then it doesn't matter if it was raining for a week. It's just you didn't get it shot, Scott. So a lot more pressure, a lot more fun, a lot more control. If Lucas was still in the show now, where do you think he'd be? Well, I keep pitching a story all the time that the, um, the, I think the writing department and uh, also the producers get very sick of. <laughs> it's like, come on, please, give me the job where I got paid more and did less. Come on, please. <laughs> so I'm pitching a story that Lucas comes back to Erinsborough and his whole family's dead, so he's got a wife and three kids, so I've killed them. Well, no, I, you know, they're dead, but there's the mystery of there that did he, did he knock him off for the insurance because he was a gambling addict? So that's the story that I'm pitching, that then he goes around and starts hunting people down, but they don't like it, and I think they're kind of doing something similar now anyway. Well, you had a big part in the 35th anniversary specials. I directed all of the late night specials, so the whole of Endgame is uh, all mine, those five episodes, which was... Once again, you throw this word around, but it was such an honour to be asked by the producers to take it on. And what's amazing, look, it really is, it's it's neighbours, but it's, we don't kind of go to Harold's. We don't end up at the waterhole. So it's, even though we've got our our beloved characters there and we, the whole thing is like an adventure. It's like an adventure movie. It's almost its own little yeah, its own little neighbours movie, I guess. In fact, we're having a cast and crew screening. They're going to screen them all together. So I'm really excited to see that and kind of call it my feature film. <laughs> well, it sounded like it was a really epic shoot. Was it done in a short space of time? Yeah. Uh, as you can imagine, for the 35th, they want it big. They wanted everything to be, you know, larger than life. And we, we go to an island, we do this, we do that. But we kind of had a short amount of time to do it in. And the cast had to be back here shooting stuff uh, and with me on the other locations. So for big set pieces that would normally take, you know, if you were scheduling it, take four hours to shoot, we kind of had an hour and a half here or an hour and a half there. So, yeah, basically we started running and we had to keep sprinting until the very end. And all the cast uh, wrapped up for the year because we shot it at the end of last year. They wrapped up for the end of the year, so the building was kind of empty apart from the producers and myself. And I was still editing up until the 21st of December. I think I really felt like I'd been on that island and I th- think I'd been hunted and I um, was a bit punch drunk, I think. But um, we got it done and I think everyone's kind of happy with it. And it's really exciting. I keep hearing it's going to be a wild ride. It's certainly a wild ride. You are going to get suspense. You're going to get drama. You're going to get sex. You're going to get hunting. You're going to get psychological thriller. You're going to get beaches and bikinis and boats. You're going to get tense, you're going to get lies, you're going to get deception, and you're going to get quite a few shocks.
Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any other jobs on Neighbours that you maybe have your eye on? You fancy writing or anything like that? I would love to write. I do write outside of this building. Outside of this job I do, I've I've written a few things that I'm hoping to get up. I've written plays that um, I performed at Edinburgh and um, at the Fringe Festival there. Other jobs here, not really. Like Neighbours is such a beast of a thing. Like Everyone works so hard to get it done. We, we, We shoot six episodes a week. We only screen five. But, like, the writing department are amazing. They have to keep coming up with storylines and, and doing all that. The, the producers are constantly organising who's going to be where and the crew are just working all year round. Like, it's not like a normal show that has six months and then people have a break. This goes and goes and goes and goes. So to answer your question, I think I've got the best job in the building because I have my little my weeks of pre and then I have my shooting weeks and then I have my post weeks and then I start all again. You know, if you're in the writing department, you're just pumping out stories if you're if you're on the crew you're doing the same thing every day if you're the actors you're doing the same thing i think i think i don't want to be a producer no way i think i've got the best job in the building just quietly how many episodes would you direct at a time do you do them in blocks or weeks yeah yeah so a block is six episodes and the way that works is you sort of have two or two and a half weeks of pre where you talk about it and then you shoot locations all, all the stuff outside and then we go into studio and shoot a week in studio. So all the interiors of the houses, the interiors of Harold's and the waterhole and all that kind of stuff. And then we have one week of editing to produce those six episodes. All in all, it's five and a half weeks to produce the six episodes. And then you start again. If you're one of the rotational directors here, which there are four or five. It's Kate Kendall, who was on the show, is also one of the directors here as well. She, um, she did some wonderful stuff with Sonia's death. She's a, a brilliant director too. So um, I think the, the directors are getting sick of the actors popping up and, you know, trying to take their work. <laughs> I think it's a compliment, isn't it, that the directors do such a good job and it's such a good show? Yeah. This show really is a war of attrition. I mean, how do I describe it to people? It's, it's a fast-moving stream. You've just got to jump in and just avoid the rocks because it's such a machine. It's been going for 35 years, the longest-running TV show in Australian history. Yeah, so I think directing-wise, it's an honour to be working on it and I'm glad that I was given the opportunity. And we do give a lot of people opportunities here now. We have an internship program. We train people up all the time. I think it's a really important show at the moment. The ABC used to train people up. They don't do that so much anymore. So I think we're kind of almost the last bastion of people coming in at the ground level and being able to learn the craft. Are you talking about directing internships? Yeah, directing internships. I think the MEAA is running a, um, an acting internship as well that I've noticed. So yeah, we have this facility. We have this show. It's great that we're sharing it around and getting people in here to train them up, the next generation. Then, apart from anything else, once you come into this building, once you, no matter what you think about Neighbours, once you come into this building, you realise what a family it is and you realise how hard everyone works. And I think once you've walked into the building, you'll have a fond memories of Neighbours from here on in. So going back to Endgame, did you have any input into the storylines or you just direct what's given to you? Well, the storyline itself was very much written before I came into it. And because it was all, is all weaved in back to the main show during the day too. So it was all, uh, the storyline was quite tightly structured. As a director, you do get, you have meetings and say, oh, I don't think this makes sense to me. Or can we make this clearer? Change this dialogue, cut that scene, get rid of the dialogue there and just have a silent scene here. So you do get input into the mood and how you want to shoot it. And if something doesn't work logistically, or are you crazy? How am I ever going to do that? What do you mean we're on a boat? What do you mean? We're going to run up hills in through the middle of the bush? Okay, sure. Um, so you have input in that way. But especially for Endgame, it was uh, pre-planned long before I got my hands on it because it had to, one, be fantastic for the 35th anniversary. Two, it had these little moments that link the nighttime show to the daytime show that, yeah, you can't pull too many threads or the whole thing might fall apart. Is there any particular storyline or subject that you would like to direct? I guess storylines-wise, I, I like to direct something that makes a difference. Maybe if we're representing a group that's not represented or... As a director, I constantly are looking at the human condition and constantly looking at the things that we do as humans that we may not admit even to ourselves. So for me, I love action. I love doing all that kind of stuff. But the, the storylines that really get me are the ones that people are doing things they probably wouldn't normally do or or representing a group that doesn't get represented much. I mean, we have Georgie Stone on the show at the moment, and she is just fantastic, and she's a brave, brave girl. And I love what Neighbours has done in recent times, but mainly down to you know, Jason Herbison developing. You know, we have a same-sex couple who are married on the show. Um, I think 
If you haven't visited Neighbours in a long time, come back and visit us because it's a pretty special show. Definitely is. And it's breaking a lot of new ground, which is wonderful. Absolutely. The thing I love about what we do here is, I guess, in this current climate, people try and tick boxes to be fitting in. That's not what we do here. We're doing things because we want to do them. You know, um, uh, Georgie Stone came to us and said, I I would love to play this character on the show. And everyone who's involved in the show does things for the right reasons. We want to shine a light on things that don't get shined a light on or be progressive, not for the sake of ticking boxes, but because we want to. Couldn't be prouder of this show. I tried. Were you a Neighbours fan from way back? I was a Neighbours fan at the start. I kind of dropped off. When did I drop off? I dropped off in the sort of Terry Donovan, Cody era. So before the Kennedys arrived. So I sort of stopped watching around then. I don't know, I guess I was busy drinking or partying or acting on another show potentially. And then I didn't revisit it until I got offered a job on it. Obviously, you notice peripheral things that, you know, have happened and you might see what's going on there, catch an episode here or there. But since I've been working on the show, since I've been back here again, so for 12 or so years, I have read and watched every episode sad perhaps my job most definitely but yeah it's good to be involved in the Erinsborough world what's your favorite storyline of mine as an actor or mine as a director either of those or even just historically historically it's got to be bouncer's dream doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) Um. is that technically a storyline it's 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 something yes it's technically a storyline and that's my favorite i'm gonna stay it right here right now after everything that we've done on this show that's got to be it favorite storyline favorite episode favorite scene <laughs> favorite love story oh no i can't even ask that because you're gonna say bouncer again aren't you? i'm not gonna say bouncer again no no i'm not gonna say bouncer um so favorite love story i'm not one for love really no that's, that's not true at all i always liked mike and jane Annie Jones and Guy Pearce. That was my era that I was sort of looking at it going, come on, guys, get it together. Hi, Jane. Hi. You look pretty today. It's a nice dress. Thank you. Favourite wedding? Well, you know, you can't say Scott and Charlene because, you know... I did did direct a wedding in the church that Harold and Madge got married. So it was a non-wedding. I'm actually going to say one of the ones I directed. So there was Tim Phillips who played Daniel Robinson and... He fell down a well and didn't make it to the, to the aisle and Amber was left at the aisle and had thought she'd been stood up. It's really weird, I know, for a wedding not to go to plan in Erinsborough. But I think that was my favourite just because it was, it was one of my early ones that I did and I tried a few things that visually really worked and I think Jenna Rose now, who played Amber Turner, did an absolutely brilliant performance of coming down and telling everyone that the wedding was off and that she'd return the presents. But I got to shoot in the, the church that Harold and Madge got married in. Um, that was nice. So you mean he's not here already? Uh, no. no. You, you know what Daniel's like. He's probably stopped along the way to pick you some wild flowers or something. There have been a million celebrity cameos over the years. Any particular favourites stand out to you? I think it was the 30th anniversary or something, I can't remember now, that I was directing and um, Des Clark came back. And I was pretty stoked about Des Clark coming back. Unfortunately, Lucas Fitzgerald didn't come back. Um, that would have been good for me financially. So, oh, and I also got to direct Paula Abdul. I know. Wow. I know. I know. And I, I do look back at the photos of that time. And I had done Movember, but it was now March. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a handlebar moustache that went probably to my chest. And I look back at the photos and I look at Paula Abdul looking at me like, what the hell is on your face? And please get this evil man away from me. Where's the director? That was quite exciting. I don't get starstruck much, but it was like, ooh, Paula Abdul. Who would be your dream guest star? My dream guest star? I think we have to get Kylie and Jason back. Maybe for the 40th. For the 40th anniversary, let's get Kylie and Jason back. Is that a spoiler then, that they're not coming back for the 35th? Well, potentially, but, you know, I'm a pretty tricky person, so I could be throwing you off. As a director, the red herring is one of our great tools. Clever. (laughs) Very clever. Do you have a favourite character, apart from Lucas Fitzgerald? How did you know I was going to say that? Um, Do I have a favourite character? I loved Sonia Rebecca. Toadie? Yeah, there's Sonia and Toadie. Oh, no, wait a minute. It's got to be Susan Kennedy. I mean, Susan Kennedy is 
It's just the heart and soul of Erinsborough. Yeah. And working with Jackie Woodburn is just such a privilege. You give her, you, you might get a scene and you read it. You go, oh, this doesn't work. And then it, you hand it to Jackie Woodburn and she makes this magic happen. Brings the depth and the, and the journey and the heart and soul every time. It's just quite amazing to watch. Apart from Susan Kennedy, I must say that working with Rob Mills, who plays Finn, and who is in Endgame. Now, what will come on air? What will you will see on air is that Finn gets his memory back. You're going through a lot right now, but you have to be mindful of other people. Bea was trying to do something nice for you today. Yeah, I know that. I've got a lot on my mind, Susan. Of course, but that doesn't mean you get so caught up in anger at the people who've let you down that you take it out on the people who never will. People like B. And the beauty of that storyline is it's not that he gets his memory back, it's that he's happy to get his memory back. And what he does, the lengths he went to, and Millsy, all credit to him, it was pretty much in every scene that I was shooting, both back in the main show and on Fire Island. And the psychological journey he had to go on, what he had to do to other cast members, what I put him through, the amount I made him run and sweat and hunt and kiss and destroy, no person should go through. And... Millsy did it all without complaint. And I think Finn as a character and what he does is something that we've all seen baddies on shows before. We've all seen people go bad, but what he does and the way he does it in Endgame, you have to see to be believed. We all, we all love a baddie, let's be honest. And I guess the challenge, you know, for all the actors out there or, you know, or even for the directors out there or for just the viewers out there, is no one's bad just because they're bad. You have to give them a reason to be bad. You have to, there has to be a truth. And, and, and the bad person doesn't think they're bad. They're just doing what they think is right or what needs to be done. And Finn does exactly that. And Millsy brought that honesty to it. That's what makes what happens on the island so harrowing. Coming up on Ramsey Beat. How are we going to get away with this in our time slot? In fact, I don't even think I'm in the 35th anniversary episode. So it was kind of like being out shooting a big movie. And then the, the, the best thing about that is um, we get different catering, so the catering was really good. <laughs> You've been listening to Ramsey Beat, a 10 Speaks and Fremantle podcast, written, produced and fangirled by me, Ali Aitken. Help. Please. Please help. What? What is it? Oh, it's... You wouldn't be able to help me anyway. Oh, of course I can help. I'd do anything to help you. It's just... My favourite Ten Speaks podcast isn't releasing another episode for three more days. For God's sakes, man! Just go and listen to some of their other amazing content. Go to the Ten Speaks page on Tenplay to see all that amazing content that guy was talking about. Ten Speaks. <laughs>